The scripture says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and they're saved. Now I'm getting too old to do some of these up-tempo songs, but I'm gonna do it anyway. You, get your, you got your microphone left? Okay. Now, but I'm not too old. I think you should stand up, but I'm not going to tell you to on this service. We're just trying to. All right, let's let's do that. This is called "A Blessed Be the Name of the Lord." Y'all can even clap and help us. Help us. <laughs> you'll you'll catch on to it. It's very simple, and the lyrics are up on the board. You ready? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. That's hard, isn't it? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. Here we go now. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. The name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run into it and they are saved now you know the melody so you look at the words sing it brother Jesus is the name of the Lord Jesus is the name of the Lord Jesus is the name of the Lord most high Jesus is the name of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord. Most high. Sing it with us. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into and they are saved for oh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run into it and they are saved blessed be the name of the Lord everybody blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. Sing it now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. Last line, that last line. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. All right, how many of you heard ever heard that song? Okay. You just heard it. Well, I hope you, yeah, that's right. You just, <laughs> you just heard it. All right, well, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 41. Joshua is not
This thing is, uh, there it is. Okay. It was on amber. What does that mean? That means, I, to me, it means it's wheat, but there it is. All right. Genesis chapter 41. I want to remind you again that after the service this morning, we have plenty of food over here. We're going to have some wonderful food to eat after we feast on God's Word. And today we're going to think about the salvation of the bride of Joseph. Genesis 41, verse 45. 41, verse 45. Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zathnath Paaneah. And he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word and let God's people say, praise the Lord. You may be seated. I read this this morning, a congregation cannot be said to welcome the Lord Jesus unless they are all there, which requires punctuality, and unless they have come with a design to meet him, which implies prayerful expectancy. Did you pray this morning before you came to church and said, bless the word of God this morning? If you didn't, you're not going to get anything out of it. You say, you're depending on me to feed you, but you can't receive it if you don't pray for me. And if you don't pray, Lord, we're going there to meet with you. We're going there to worship you. We want to hear from you. That's why we're in such a deplorable situation today in the United States. We talk a good talk, but we don't do anything. We're not walking the walk. This is all comments by Charles Spurgeon, who died in 1892. Congregation cannot be said to welcome the Lord Jesus unless they're all there, which requires punctuality, unless they've come with a design to meet him, which implies prayerful expectancy, and unless they're ready to hear from him, which involves attention, and unless they are resolved to accept his teaching, which demands obedience. Wise words from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Robert Murray McShane said this. He was a man who lived 150 years ago. He said, depend upon it. It is God's word and not man's comment on God's word, which converts souls. <laughs> It's God's word and not man's comments. That's why I say I love books. I'm a bibliophile. But we need to read the book, the word of God, to see what it says about those books, not to read those books to see what the word of God says. I think we've got it reversed. I really do. A famous English statesman who became prime minister of England not once but four times, William Ewart Gladstone, was asked to give the basic credentials necessary for one to be a great statesman. He replied that a great statesman is one who knows what God is going to do over the next 50 years. Well, Joseph has proved himself a statesman. He didn't predict 50 years, but he has predicted the next 14 years of history for Egypt. The pharaohs had a dream Nobody could interpret it. They called Joseph out of prison, brought him before the Pharaoh. He told the Pharaoh his dream, and he said those two dreams teach, both teach the same thing. First, there are going to be seven years of unbelievable, unbelievable prosperity. But they're going to be followed by seven years of unbelievable famine. 
But not only did Joseph interpret the Pharaoh's dreams, but according to verses 33 through 36 in Genesis 41, he devised a seven-year plan to prepare the nation for the coming famine. And amazingly, both the Pharaoh and his cabinet of advisors absolutely and unequivocally believe Joseph's prediction. And they have given him, you can read this in verses 37 through 40, once we've read in studies past, they have given him near absolute authority to initiate his program. Now, in the middle of all of this, sometime before the seven years of famine came, according to verse 45, which we just read, Joseph was married. And in our last study, we considered the wife of Joseph from a certain perspective. We're told that she was the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. She was a Gentile. She was a pagan. She was the mother of Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And unlike many of the Old Testament patriarchs, she was the only wife Joseph had. And her name was Asenath, which can mean, according to the Hebrew scholars, belonging to the goddess Neith, or secondly, belonging to her father, or thirdly, belonging to thee which may refer to a goddess or it may refer to her mother. So we looked at her last week and we saw how she is emblematic, how she points to, how she's a picture of the bride of Christ. And here's where I want to begin today. Though she was born a Gentile pagan, this wife of Joseph, no doubt Joseph taught her of the God of Israel. And so as such, she is, I say again, a beautiful picture of all whom the Lord makes his spiritual bride. We were all born pagans. We were all born totally ignorant of the one true God and his salvation. We were all born lost. We were all born with uncircumcised hearts, that is to say, Gentiles. And as we saw in our last study, Abraham himself, the greatest example in the Bible of someone made righteous through faith, Abraham, we saw this from Romans chapter 4, was born a Gentile. Abraham was born not only uncircumcised in his flesh, but uncircumcised in his heart. He was born not knowing God. He was not born a Jew. He was born a Gentile pagan. Read about it in Romans chapter 4. He was ignorant of the one true God. But we also learn from Romans 4 that God entered into a covenant with Abraham when he was a Gentile. That is, before he was circumcised. Romans chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Now, as Romans 4.11 informs us, his circumcision is not what made him righteous. See, the poor Jewish people today, they think that because they are born related to Abraham, that makes them children of God. They think that because they inherited this circumcision, that that makes them righteous with God. But Paul tells us in Romans 4.11, the circumcision was only a sign of the righteousness which came through faith in believing God. It was not the thing that made him righteous. Often the Lord, through the prophets, said to Israel, you've been circumcised in your flesh. Oh, that your hearts were circumcised. Now, here's where I want us to focus today. It's a simple lesson. This woman represents, I have said in our last study, the bride of Christ. But what about her personally? What about her personal salvation? How did she come to know the one true and living God, the God of Joseph, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Let me suggest this, and we'll just run through these quickly. 
Just think with me now. Tell if this, isn't, this doesn't sound logical to you. Number one, the Lord in his divine providence sent her husband. Who her, her husband is who? Joseph. He sent her husband into her part of the world. Can you go with me that far? Remember, Joseph was from another part of the world. Number two, the Lord used her husband's brothers, who were jealous and envious of him. He used her husband's brothers to get her husband into her part of the world. Sometimes the Lord uses the devil. He used, he used the devil to bring about the prophecy regarding the Messiah. The scripture says when Jesus observed the, the, what we call the Last Supper, we, we observe the Lord's Supper this morning. We do that on the first Sunday of every month. And the Bible says that when they did that, it says Satan entered into Judas. And then it says the Lord said to Judas, what you're planning to do, do it quickly. And it said when he said that, Judas left. So Satan was the one who moved Judas. Judas was the one who received money from the Jews to crucify Jesus, who was the promised Messiah. How did Asenath become the wife of Joseph and come to know the one true and living God? Number three, the Lord used her husband's boss, Potiphar, and his wife to get Joseph into the Egyptian prison. Number four, the Lord used dreams to get her husband out of prison. Used the dreams of the butler and the dreams of the Pharaoh. Number five, the Lord moved upon the heart of Pharaoh and his advisors to make Joseph prime minister of Egypt. Number six, the Lord moved Pharaoh to give her to Joseph to be his wife. Now think with me just a moment. I'm getting somewhere. I hope. My friends, she was not lucky to be married to Joseph. She was divinely appointed by the sovereign purpose and will of God to be married to Joseph. And the Lord used all kinds of circumstances, situations, persons, and places to get her to her husband. Now, if you are a child of God, you are part of the bride of Christ who is the prime minister of the universe. Joseph is the prime minister of Egypt. <laughs> but our Savior is the prime minister of the universe. Do you think that you were lucky to be brought to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? My friends, you and I were born pagans, heathens, Gentiles in heart and spirit, but now we are in love with him. Now we are part of his bride. How did that happen? My dear friends, you were brought to him by a whole series of providential events, circumstances, and situations involving all kinds of persons, places, and things. And your salvation is no more an accident than Asenath became the bride of Joseph by accident. Yes, you love him. Yes, you choose him. But the divine purpose and will of heaven is behind it all. Just as Asenath was given to Joseph, you have been given to Christ. Now think about it. The Lord in his divine providence sent Christ into this world just as he sent Joseph into Egypt. Now listen now. 
the Lord used the brothers of Christ, that is, his own family, to get him to your part of the world. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came to his own people, he came to his own nation, he came to his own tribe, and they did not receive him. Number three, the Lord used the boss of this world. Who's the boss of this world? The devil. Potiphar is a symbol of the devil. The Bible tells us in 1 John, the whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. The Bible tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our battle is not with people. Our battle is with these spirits and powers that control these people, that move these people. It seems to me today that hell is being opened. And, that, and I'm, not a, I'm not a conspiracist guy. I'm not a person that sees the devil behind every bush. But I'll tell you this. I'm beginning to see him everywhere. It is unbelievable the perversion and the rebellion against God, against all that is sacred, against all that is holy, against all that is godly, against the principles, the foundations that made this nation what it was. All of those things are being torn down and broken. And now when I look at someone and I see a man and that person tells me I'm a woman, I'm not supposed to believe my own eyes. I'm supposed to believe what they tell me. And then there are some people that are now identifying as binary. Binary means neither male nor female. We're in a heap of trouble, folks. We're in a lot of trouble. And I don't hate these people. I want you to know that. I don't hate them. You know what the Bible says? Open rebuke is better than secret love. Have you ever read that? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The greatest show of love that you and I can demonstrate is by telling the truth. By telling the truth. Now you're going to be looked upon as a rebel. You're going to be looked upon as somebody who won't go along and get along, but so was the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was not popular. You know what they think of perfect holiness and righteousness? They put him on a cross. They crucified him. And he said, if you follow me, he said, you're going to have problems. We haven't had any problems much in this world, but I think we're about to face them. So the Lord used the boss of this world, the devil, just like he used Potiphar with Joseph. He used the boss of this world, the devil, to put our husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to put him into the prison of death. Listen to this passage, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same, listen now, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. This whole thing of Jesus coming into the world was to overthrow the boss of this world in a legal and righteous manner so that he himself becomes legally, as a man, the God-man, the boss, the Lord of lords, the king of kings of this world. Number four, I'm telling you how we became the bride of Christ. In his divine providence, Christ was sent into this world, just as the Lord sent Joseph into Egypt. Number two, the Lord used the brothers of Christ to get him to your part of the world, that is, <coughs> the Jewish family. Number three, the Lord used the boss of this world, the devil, to put our husband into the prison of death. Number four, Pharaoh was called the father of Egypt. And he it was who called Joseph out of prison. And it was the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ that called our Lord, our husband, out of the prison house of the grave. 
Number five, our husband came out of his prison house of death to be the Lord and the governor of this universe. Just like when Joseph came out of prison, he came out of prison to be the governor of Egypt. And our Lord came out of death, the prison of death, to be the Lord of this universe. And number six, as the Pharaoh gave Asenath to Joseph to be his wife, so the Father has given us to Jesus to be in his holy bride and to bear children unto him. That's what witnessing is. Witnessing, telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ, praying, watering, asking the Lord for mercy that people might be saved, that's bearing fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we read in the last phrase of verse 45, and Joseph went out all over, over all the land of Egypt. He went out to survey the land. When the Lord Jesus came out of that grave, he met with his disciples and he said, I want you to go over all the earth and preach the gospel to every creature. And lo, I'm with you even unto the end of this age. Now, when Joseph went out in verse 45, he went out to survey the land. You see, thus far, he's been limited to only a certain area of Egypt. And he's got to make some decisions about where to build his granaries, these buildings that will hold the grain. Now look at verse 46, please. Genesis 41, verse 46. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Joseph will now begin his ministry to save Egypt, to fulfill the sovereign purse of God, and to fulfill all of God's promises that God made to Abraham. And he's how old? He's 30 years old. How old was Jesus when he came down to present himself to John the Baptist at the Jordan River to be baptized? Listen to this. Luke chapter 3 Beginning in verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice from heaven said, "This Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And listen to this 23rd verse. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. Same age as Joseph, 30 years of age. You know how old the priests of Israel were when they officially inducted them into the ministry of the priesthood? 30 years old. 30 years old. How old was Jesus when he began? Have you ever wondered what what he was doing for the time he was born until he was 30? He was preparing for his priestly ministry. He was preparing for what he was sent to do. But he wasn't officially entering into it until he was baptized by John the Baptist at the age of 30. And when he did that, he began his priestly ministry. What did the priest do? The priest goes to God on behalf of the people. The priest makes the sacrifices, offers the sacrifices on behalf of the people that they might have their sins washed away. Of course, we are told in the book of Hebrews that those animals could never wash away sin, but they were pictures of Christ as the Lamb of God whose sacrifice takes care of our sin problem. So when Jesus was 30 years old, he presented himself to John the Baptist to be baptized of him at the Jordan River, the same age as Joseph. And you know, when Joseph stood before the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh recognized Joseph's wisdom and discretion. And he was acknowledged to be a wise man, and he was honored by the Pharaoh. But the wisdom and the divine discretion of our Lord Jesus was recognized and acknowledged and honored by the God of heaven. The Pharaoh honored Joseph but the God of heaven honored his son. 
who is our Joseph. And the Spirit of God came upon him in the form of a dove, and the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's recorded three times. Matthew 3.17, Mark 9.7, and Luke 3.22. So we can't miss it. So Jesus began his public intercessory work of salvation upon his baptism at the Jordan River. Now I suspect, going back to Joseph now, when he stands before Pharaoh, you remember when he was 17 years old, he had these dreams. His brothers were going to kill him. One of the brothers intervened and said, let's don't kill him, let's put him in a pit and decide what to do with him. Then they took him out of the pit, sold him to some Ishmaelites who went into Egypt and sold him again to Potiphar. And then because of Potiphar's wife, he was put in prison. He was put in prison. And then we know the rest of the story. He was brought out of prison when the Pharaoh had a dream. Because the baker who had been in prison with Joseph, whose dream Joseph had interpreted, he interpreted the butler's dream and he interpreted the baker's dream. The butler is the the cupbearer. And he interpreted those dreams correctly. And so that butler, that cupbearer, finally, when Pharaoh had a dream and nobody could interpret it, then he said, oh, yeah, I remember. You remember the last thing Joseph said to that guy when he got out of prison? He said, look, when you get out, remember me. Did he remember him? He forgot all about him. And we got the bad habit of not remembering to pray for one another and to do things for one another. The only person that's going to be faithful to your soul is the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be faithful, and you're not either. You're not going to be faithful to me, and I'm not going to be faithful to you. We ought to be, but we're not. He's the only one that's going to be faithful. And I suspected it was at this point that Joseph begins to see what all this trouble has been about. He most likely is now able to reflect upon the dreams given him. Now he's 30 years old. So it's now been 13 years since he had those dreams and he was sold. He was 17 years old. Now he's able to reflect upon those dreams given him when he was 17 with some understanding. We don't know just how much he understood, but there is no doubt in my mind that as he considered the last 13 years of his life, he could see the sovereign hand of God in it all. And I say to you, all of you who belong to the Lord, Though you have not had any dreams like Joseph that predicted your future, you should be able to look back and see the hand of the Lord as you reflect upon the days of the years of your life up to this point. Why did you go this way rather than that way? Why did you make this decision rather than that decision? Why did you move here rather than move there? Why were certain persons brought into your life And why were certain persons dismissed from your life? Now, in closing today, we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 3. Would you turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 3? You can find the book of Psalms. It's right in the middle of your Bible. Psalms are right in the middle of your Bible. And then following the book of Psalms is the book of Proverbs. And while you're turning, listen to me. Joseph has been a wise man. And he's been a wise man because he's been walking and living according to the Word of God. The Word of God. The Bible says over and over and over again that if you want to be wise, wise about who you are, wise about what life is about, Wise unto salvation. Remember when Paul wrote to Timothy? That from a child, Timothy, you've been wise unto salvation, which is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be wise, if you want to be wise in business, i tell you one little plan I would do. I would, the, the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters. Read a chapter every day of every month. Whatever else you read, read a chapter a day of the book of Proverbs. You'll read through it every month. You'll read through it 12 times by the end of the year. And I guarantee you the wisdom 
You get your notebook and the wisdom about people and the wisdom about business, about economics, the wisdom about politics, the wisdom about what men are and the deceitfulness of the human heart and the faithfulness of God. All of those things will be dropped into your heart from the word of God and you will become a wise person. But you cannot be wise apart from the word of God. The scripture says that people who won't pay any attention to God and his word are fools. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So here's what I say today, before we look at these verses quickly in Proverbs 3. If you will walk through this world in faith, People are confused about that. They say, what, what do you mean? Now keep the faith, baby. Walking through this world in faith means, secondly, acquainting yourselves with the will of God in the Word of God. People say, I don't know the will of God. It's in 66 books in the Word of God. And you don't need to know any other things if we can't master the 66 books, and I don't think anybody here has, nor any man that's ever lived. But if you want to know the will of God, always remember Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things that are revealed. And he has revealed things to us in 66 books in the Bible. The things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. So walk through this world in faith. That means acquainting yourself with the will of God and the word of God. It means, number three, not living by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And it means, number four, while keeping your spiritual eyes upon the Lord Jesus... You're reading his word. You're learning his will. You're not living by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. You make decisions based on what God says in his word. My friends, I could have made a million dollars writing books. I, I did those little doctrinal books back there because I used to write an article every week. And somebody said, why don't you take those articles put them together? And I did that. And so we came up with four or five little doctrinal books. But listen to me this morning, and I, I hope I'm not uh, being too simple. But you can go out today and you can buy books on how to have a good marriage. James, you going to get married one day? Huh? Well, you might ought to listen to what I'm saying. You might. You can buy all these books on how to, uh, how to have a good marriage. I've read them. Lynn and I used to teach a course here on men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Let me boil it all down for you and save you a lot of money. Just read the Word of God and love your spouse like the Lord loves you. I guarantee you everything will work out. That's what the Bible says. You can, you can go to Ephesians chapter 5 when it says to the wives, submit yourself to your husband. Well, why wouldn't I submit myself to somebody that I know has my best interest? That loves me like he loves his own body. And the Bible says to the men, love your wives like Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He loved it sacrificially. He gave himself for it. Any relationship that you want to come up with, I can tell you, you just boil it all down to say, if you love the Lord and find out what he says in his word, if you walk in love, everything else will work itself out. You don't need to spend $1,000 on books, which won't tell you anything, and you'll forget what you read this afternoon. Just do these five things and you'll, be able, you'll have a nice marriage. That's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> and 
And children, you want to know what you need to do to be a good boy and a good girl? You honor your mom and your dad as God told you to do. That's what you do. You do that, you're going to be okay with your parents. So if you walk through this world in faith, acquaint yourself with the will of God and the word of God, not living by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, keep your spiritual eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you have this promise. He will direct your paths. And you will know that he is directing them. So let's just very quickly, I thought about doing this on a Wednesday night study. We're going to try to start up Wednesday night studies real soon. For those of you, they'll be more doctrinal in nature than the Sunday morning studies. Proverbs chapter 3, look at verse 1. My son, I don't know what translation you have. Maybe they could put it up on the board if possible. My son, do not forget my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. This is Solomon talking to his son. My son, do not forget my law. That word translated law is the word for word. It is the word for doctrine, for gospel, for the truth. He's saying keep in memory what you've learned. Don't let it slip. Don't neglect it. As we read in Hebrews chapter 2, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Then the second part of that verse, but let your heart keep my commandments. Now this paints us a picture of, remember when God told Moses to make a little chest called the ark, a little box? And he said, deposit in that ark the two tables of law. This is the picture here. Let your heart keep my commandments. Means just as the law, as the word of God was deposited in the ark, the little box, and traveled with Israel in like manner. In other words, everywhere Israel went, that little box went with them that had God's word in it. We must keep God's word in our hearts, that we must love it, Pay attention to it and obey it all day, every day. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 15. Jesus said, he that has my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me and shall be loved to my Father. And I will love him and we will manifest ourselves to him. John 14, 21. All right, verse 2. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. You are promised a life of usefulness and comfort here and eternal life hereafter. The law promised a long life, but the gospel promises immortality, that we shall not perish. The gospel is the gospel of peace. It's peace by the blood. We have justification, sanctification, pardon, atonement, by his sacrifice, all of this brings peace, the peace of God, because there's peace between me and God. He's not mad at me anymore. The battle is over. And so I can have the peace of God that passes understanding. Romans 5.1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.11, we joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom now we have received the atonement. All right, verse 3. Let not God, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. What is he saying here? He's saying this. God's mercy in his promises and the truth in his word, they will not forsake you if you don't forsake them. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Do not forsake the exercise of mercy and truth. Be merciful to others that you may have opportunity to tell them the truth. That's the basis of being merciful. Be tenderhearted. Be compassionate. Forgive others as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And then he says in verse 3, Bind them about your neck, write them upon the table of your heart. 
That is, have a constant and continuous relationship with God in His Word. Don't forget the Lord, don't forget His Word, and don't forget His promises. And what will result from that? Look at verse 4. Thou shalt find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. The word favor here is the word for grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Joseph found grace with the Lord evidenced by favor from Potiphar and the keeper of the prison. Good understanding here is good success. It's prosperity in things temporal and things spiritual. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. My friends, don't trust your heart. I've heard people say, I know my heart. (laughs) What does the Bible say? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You ever read that? The only person that knows your heart is God. And so we need to say to him, Lord, I don't even know myself, but you know me. Look in me and see if there be any wicked way in me and show me the way I should go. Trust in the Lord. Don't trust your heart, but entrust your heart to him. Don't trust in any creature. Don't trust in the highest or the holiest. Don't spend time trying to figure things out. Just walk with him. Just read his word. Just look for him. Just wait on him. Verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Acknowledge him. That is, set him before your eyes. Always have him in view. Consider him as always present with you. Man, if everybody considered the Lord is... With me, he sees everything I do. About 90% of all these crimes would stop. But men don't even believe in the Lord, much less that he sees anything that we do. See, we must not only believe in the sovereign hand of God, but we should address ourselves to it by going the way that he directs us in his word and the way he directs us in providence. In other words, when things happen and falls out this way and you can't do what you Wanted to do, if you're trusting him, it's of him that you can't do what you wanted to do. He says here, if you acknowledge him, he will direct you. And notice what it says, acknowledge him in all thy ways, not just at church. In all thy ways, acknowledge him in your business. Acknowledge him in your marriage. Acknowledge him as your, if you're a parent and you have kids. Acknowledge him with relationship to other people. Acknowledge him in all thy ways. His ways don't stop when we walk out of a church building. And your life doesn't stop. And that's the reason so many people are in a mess. Because they don't acknowledge him. They don't look to him. Verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Being wise in your own eyes is the opposite of acknowledging him. What he's saying here, you're acting independently of him, independently of him when you're wise in your own eyes. Isn't that what the the devil, the serpent, told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? God does know that if you take this fruit, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God. You make your own decisions about things. You don't need him telling you what's right and wrong. You'll be independent of him. This is acted out, verse 7, is acted out in paying no attention to God's will. Not seeking his wisdom. Not seeking his light in making decisions. Making decisions without consulting him. That's what it is to be wise in your own eyes. But he says in the second part of the verse, fear the Lord. Have respect. That word is reverence. Have respect for him, his will, his word. The beginning of true wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the foundation for humility. Conceited fools have no reverence for the Lord. They never consult him. You ever heard this passage? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 
Better is it to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. Second part of verse 7, and depart from evil. Depart from the evil of self-confidence and depart from all other evils. The fruit of reverence for the Lord, the fruit of it, if you revere the Lord, if you respect Him, if you have reverence for Him, the fruit of that is departing from evil. And one who will not depart from evil, knowing the will of God regarding it, does not show respect for the Lord. Proverbs 16, verse 6, By mercy and truth iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. All right, verse 8, let's hurry. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. You'll be in good spiritual health, and you'll be safe from many things that can ruin the health of the body that you live in. What marrow is to the bones, wisdom from God is to the soul. Verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. I'm positive Joseph did this. <clears throat> he gave the Lord the first fruits of all that the Lord blessed him with. Now our substance, that's our wealth and our riches. And this may be done by helping others in need, doing it in the name and for the sake of the Lord. Proverbs 14, 31, he that oppresses the poor reproaches his maker. He that honors him has mercy on the poor. It can be done by contributing to the support of the worship of the Lord, by helping to spread the gospel. And look at the blessings that are attached to this. Verse 10, verse 10, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy precious shall burst out with new wine. What could be clearer? He says, acknowledge the Lord, and he will direct you. He'll bless you. He'll prosper you. He'll honor you. He'll deliver you. He said, your wine presses will burst out with new wine. They'll overflow. What did the Lord Jesus say in this regard? Listen to these words from Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give to others, and God will give to you. Indeed, you will receive a full measure, a generous helping poured into your hands, all that you can hold. The measure you use for others is the one he will use for you. That's pretty clear. It's because of Joseph, it's because of Joseph that the Lord is going to give seven years of great prosperity. Because during that period of time, Joseph will be a great blessing to an entire nation, and it's because he honors the Lord. Many times other people are blessed because of the prayers and actions of one righteous person. Verse 11. We're almost through. Verse 11. My son, do not despise the chasing of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. So after all these good things, he says, now listen. <laughs> Even wise and goodly children of God are often afflicted in this world. And he's going to answer the objection that we come up with in verse 12, but we'll get to that in just a moment. The Lord loves those he corrects. Even the wise and godly children of God are often afflicted in this world. These words, you can take your time later and read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. These words are quoted in Hebrews 12, 5 and 6. And this, is, this chastisement here is not wrath and judgment, but is the chastisement of a father, father purpose of rebuking, correction, and giving instruction. These are spankings. And they will produce the fruit of righteousness if they are not despised. That's why it is said, don't despise the chastening of the Lord, verse 11. Now, these chastenings may come by the devil, they may come by the flesh, they may come by the world, but I tell you this, they come by divine appointment. You're not going to let anything happen to your children if you can prevent it. It's not for their good, and certainly God Almighty is not going to let anything happen to any of his children. It's not for their good. 
You know, David said, it is good for me that I've been afflicted. Have you ever read that? Verse 12, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Now listen, has Joseph been a faithful child of God? He certainly has. Yet he has suffered affliction. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that even the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, suffered affliction in this world. But without a doubt, the Lord has regulated what Joseph has suffered. You remember the old illustration I told you about the old Puritan? He said, the devil reaches out to strike at me. And he said, his purpose behind the blow is to destroy me. But he said, God regulates the blow and lets him cut off only that part of me which does not resemble his son, Jesus Christ. And so he makes the devil sweat at the task of conforming me to the image of Christ. The devil couldn't get the Job without God's permission. He may be a devil. Martin Luther said he's God's devil. But I tell you this, he's on a chain. He's limited. Without a doubt, I think the Lord has regulated what Joseph has suffered. And this teaches us all that as we go through on the way to glory, what we suffer is usually limited, it's usually restrained, it's usually in some way overruled by the Lord for our good. And for his glory. Again, the Lord will chasten us to keep us from hurting ourselves. Chastening comes to correct us, not to punish us. And you know yourself, Joseph did a lot of growing up spiritually during his 13 years of trial. And he's a much stronger and he's a much wiser man for it. He's now ready to feed a nation and to glorify the Lord in ways not possible before. May the Lord add his blessings on the teaching of his word. All right, let's stand together. Now, my friends, the reason I went through those verses with you in the book of Proverbs is because I think those verses summarize and spell out the kind of man Joseph was. I think he was a Proverbs 3, 1 through 12 man. <laughs> that's what I think he was. I think that's what he was doing. And I'm telling you that if you emulate him, if you imitate him, of course, he's a wonderful picture of Christ. If you imitate him, emulate him, look to him, you will, you will see the hand of God in your life. You will be divinely led and instructed. And whatever you go through, you can be assured, Lord, you're doing this for my good and for your glory. Remember the old woman that was in the hospital? She was illiterate. She didn't use good English. She couldn't read or write. But she was a child of God, having come to know the Lord through the readings of her children to her from the Bible. And her name was Flossie, and when she was visited in the hospital, she was extremely ill, and her bones were sticking out, and she had lost all kinds of weight, very thin, very frail, very helpless looking. And when her nephew came in to see her, and he said, Aunt Flossie, what do you think about all of this you're going through? And she said, the Lord sure do must love me to do me like this. The Lord sure do must love me to do me like this. My dear friends, the Lord chastens those whom he loves. If you belong to him, and you get out of line, he's going to spank you. 
Now, he's not going to reach out and spank that person over there because they don't belong to him. When I'm in line many times in Kroger's or Publix or somewhere, I see kids over here kicking their mothers in the knee because they won't let them have a Tootsie Roll. And you know what I want to do. But if I did it, I'd be put in jail. Because that, if you'll pardon the English, that ain't my child. <laughs> that ain't my kid. But the Lord is going to, he's going to teach his children. He's going to teach you. And if you'll look to him, you'll go over those verses in Proverbs 3, 1 through 12. You'll read the book of Proverbs, a chapter a day, every day, every month of the year. I guarantee you. You'll learn some things. The Lord teaches some things. You'll be better off for it. 